Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 165 of the Picus Riley podcast. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Emelson, and joining me, we have my co-host, Anomaly. Hello. And uh, this week, 1015 has arrived. Augmentation is here. Brewmaster changes are in. And um, some of those things are broken. Yeah, a couple of them. One, one, one big one. <laughs> one big one. Uh, so today we are going to talk about, uh, well, our progress. I got Sark down. You're still working on it. And um, also talk about some of the stuff this morning. There was a very spicy augmentation stacking heroic run. Okay. They did some very silly things, kind of vaguely uh, reminiscent of the Windwalker run. Yes, yes. Um. Yeah, and then you know we have news. We have lots of news actually. Uh, and I also want to talk a little bit about the Brewmaster stuff, but we'll probably fit that in when I'm talking about our Sarkarath prog. That makes sense. That uh, makes sense. So I guess maybe you you can, I mean you have you have better news than I do. How how is your progress going? Or how how was it? I guess because you're done. Yeah. We got it. Uh, it took us uh, how long did it take us? About two and a half hours on Friday. Uh, nice. To wrap it up, really, um, so we did the no down strategy for Sarkareth, and the way that it felt is really that if you had cooldowns prepared for the f- double dispel that happens, we did it at seven oh five. I can like, if anybody wants to know exactly our our stuff for that, go pop into the raid lead exchange Discord and ask mm-hmm. around. Um, but yeah, if you have cooldowns set up for that, it's really like. Once we were just living with everybody getting into phase three, it did not take very many phase three pulls to actually get it down. Um, and it, in particular, it did not take very many pulls to the end of the fight. It's just not like the end of the fight is just not very complicated. Um, yeah. So um, I we got it down. Um, I actually almost wiped us at the very end because I forgot to go down with the tank bomb. Well, man, way to go, way to go. Uh, we had a couple people that were high on Oblivion stacks, uh, actually up to eight stacks, which is very important because the double dispel gives you two stacks. They got 10, they got sent down, and that left Puddles and Melee too. So we lost like five people to that little snafu. Um, but then from there, like everything was pretty chill up until I blew up on the raid. But I blew up on the raid at like a quarter percent boss HP. So, um, Technically, technically, if those people hadn't died, I never would have blown up on the raid and everything would have been fine. <laughs> it's true. Blame it on the people who died. That's right. That's right. That's fine. Um, but yeah, uh, also kind of in that, uh, Brewmaster has, like, we've got our changes. We've got the new talent. New talent, like, it's not, it's not unplayable. You can definitely play with it and have fun with it. It is not, uh, from everything we've seen, not optimal. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, one is that Tiger Palm is really, 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 really good right now. <laughs> Blackout combo Tiger Palm, really good. I did um, 90k DPS on our kill. Okay. Um, my number two damage source, at almost 11% of our damage, is Tiger Palm. Interesting. Um there are ranks on like Magmarex that are over 100k for, for Brewmasters now. Um, you can't quite do that on Sarkarath because downtime and things, but 
you can get over 100k including like no glimmers and, and empty recollections and all that stuff so um brewmaster does a lot of damage right now and actually that's one thing that brewmaster had been bringing like it did really good damage then it got nerfed now it's back to being like a really really high damage tank uh, which kind of makes up for not bringing other things like amz or rally or darkness you know yeah or uh, <laughs> roar i guess if you play guardian i don't know what does guardian do they make you run faster so yeah yeah um war cyclone atf all that stuff that guardian currently brings also actually guardian is also a high damage tank right now i i think there's six figure logs for them on nagmarax too okay um but yeah uh and this is the closest we've been to like the end of legion rotation since the end of legion like the end of legion blackout combo rotation for those that don't remember it that was basically you had um two uh your rotation broke down into two bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had a three GCD uh, combo that you know pushed keg smash, and then a three GCD combo that didn't. And that's how it works now. Instead of, except instead of three GCDs, it's four. So now it's like you do blackout kick, tiger palm, keg smash, breath of fire, and then blackout kick, tiger palm, and dump a couple of CDs, uh, and you just loop that. That's the whole. That's the rotation. That's the whole thing. Nice. Um, so it feels a lot like the end of Legion Brewmaster. It does a lot of damage, like the end of Legion Brewmaster. Um, and yeah, that is something that was pretty nice. I ended up in phase one doing thirty k DPS more, I think, than I had okay. been the previous week, which is a lot. Yeah, that's a fair amount. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, well, congrats on getting it down. That's that's sick. You guys, you uh, guys did really well this tier. This was like one of your best tiers, I think, right? Um, As a group, it or? was actually, in terms of rankings, it was literally identical to last tier. Oh, really? <laughs> or at least in terms of like in terms of US rankings, it was literally identical. In terms of world rankings, it's like three off or something. Gotcha. It's really, really close. Um, so it felt better than last year. Like last year, yeah. we kind of blew through a bunch of stuff and then just stalled on Razageth. This yeah. tier we weren't positioned to be able to abuse the scar and cheese and that sucked. But then on the later bosses, we did pretty well and made, made up for it to some degree. Um, my only like for the post post scar and stuff, my mm-hmm. only real wish that had been different is actually for Sarkareth. We spent a lot of time in phase two figuring things out there that yeah. I wish I had recognized sooner what the actual problem was, which it was basically that the mel like our, our range baits are pretty good, but our melee baits were all over the place. Yeah. And so that was just making things very chaotic. I didn't really put two and two together that that's why things were really chaotic. It wasn't just a chaotic phase. It's actually a very orderly phase once mm. you get it all sorted out. But we weren't being super particular about our melee baits and that was causing problems so i wish i had recognized that sooner because it would have saved us a bunch of pulls and also i died a lot in phase two some of it was trying to manage the chaos and some of it was just me being like too aggressive (laughs) with throwing my cooldowns and then not having them when i needed them later gotcha fair enough fair enough well cool well yeah i don't have uh, um as great of news uh we're still progressing we're at about 140 pulls in i want to say um, roughly at like the the start of P3, 
transition is what we're working on right now. So we're getting consistent P1s, consistent P2s. Um, and so now we're just working on that transition from from P2 into P3. And we are doing the downstrat. So that is... I have, I have a note sorry. for you, okay. uh, actually. Uh, I'm assuming you're using the Viserio sheet because like everybody uses the Viserio sheet. Yeah. Viserio's timer for going downstairs has you has the debuff to like absolute latest that you can come up around one second before you can actually come up or gotcha. sorry one second after you can actually come up so like it does work but there's really not very much time you do do not have a lot of wiggle room um one of the things we did that ended up helping us is we moved that first timer for going down back by three seconds so we went down three seconds later and that did two things one it gave us more time to like form up after finishing yeah. off the last ad which then actually let us move extra damage into the boss during phase two uh which helped with the phase three push uh and then also meant that when the rocks spawned at the start of phase three that you know you have to wait until those spawn before you can go up mm -hmm. um we had like three to four seconds left on the debuff instead of one. And that just gotcha. made it easier for people to safely come up. And like, you could still wait to the end and some people did and did that to get their haste stacks and stuff. Um, other people came up like basically as soon as it was safe and you get to come up at, at the same time, you just have less time to get all of your stacks. For me, the stacks don't really matter that much. So like I got eight or something and then went up. Um, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, we're going to, I think next time we've been, I think the other thing we've been doing that's a little off in that is we've been dispelling the final debuff fairly early. So I think we're going to okay, end up yeah. holding it a little bit longer than the other ones. And um, and yeah, that might help with getting the ads down. So we're not dealing with like getting blown back, moving into position and then killing ads at the same time. So yeah, you know, we'll we were see. doing the dispel around the point that the boss flew, flew away. Yeah, we're like six or seven seconds earlier than that. So like yeah, that's, okay. I think, the difference, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, we're 150 pulls in with it. We had a new comp again on Tuesday. Oh, no. Uh, Thursday was the same comp as Tuesday, but it's without hey. our, our typical raid leader. So we had ah. both our main tanks back. Um, healing core actually has been the only consistent thing. And we had, oh, no, we had different damage in. Yeah, we had a couple different players in from a DPS perspective. So... And we've been playing the summer like roster game. We've been able yeah. to raid every night, which is good. So we haven't missed a night. It's just been like a lot of just like different people in. I think we had two warlocks in this week, which is different than we've had previously. Yeah. Um, an extra moonkin that we typically don't have. So it's been a, yeah, this has been, I, I feel like we go through this as a guild a lot. And like, this is the first year that I feel like I've been a part of it. Because <laughs> typically it's me being out. Like I've missed the right. past couple of, not, not, not in this. And you were out for part of Razigath, right? I was out for part of Razagath. I missed, uh, what was the final boss of? Jailer. I missed Jailer. I missed um, Denathrius. I was there for, 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 um, for Sylvanas. But yeah, so for me, it's been, it's weird. I missed the last bosses of a lot of raids, which is a yeah, new thing since, since Shadowlands. But no, I mean, I think, I mean, we probably have in my mind, like if Tuesday goes well and we start to see phase three more consistently, I think Thursday's the earliest we go for a kill. If not, definitely, you know, the following week. So yeah. Yeah. We're about we're about we're about two to three raid nights, I feel like, away from a kill. So yeah. Um but yeah, it's, a, we'll it's see actually it goes. Oh, so we, we continued to have a little bit of internet trouble this week. Our warlock uh was oh, no. uh our other warlock has zero pulls on the boss because they were on vacation for most of Prague. 
mm-hmm. uh, on Sarkarath. And so our warlock that we had in was having internet issues and just like a funny little thing on our kill pole, right? Mm-hmm. Pole timer is hitting zero and we just hear in voice, oh, fuck, it happened again. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> they ended up not fully DCing, so they were able to like do the pull. Their yeah. ramp was like slightly scuffed. It like screwed up their cooldowns later in the fight. But, yeah. you know, um, we did it. So, nice. you know, all that matters. Yeah, that's all that matters. That's funny. Well, that's awesome. Congratulations to getting it down. You get to now farm it all. Go back on fight. You have to kill, yeah. kill some bosses again. So well, um, we get to go and do some other bosses now. No, definitely. That's awesome. Uh, um, well, cool. Well, maybe we'll, we'll we'll move forward a little bit, get a little bit of a, a week interview. And so there's a bunch of different news stories. So I'll hit a couple of the quick hitter ones. And then I think there's a couple of these we can spend some time on. Um, so first up, not really particularly game related, but definitely affects the game is the Blizzard um, Blizzard Activision and Microsoft merger. Um, essentially, Microsoft announced they were purchasing Activision Blizzard about a year ago, I want to say, um, nine months. And so there's been like a bunch of litigation with any sort of major ma- major move like this. Um, and the FTC, which is the Federal Trade Commission here in the US, sued to stop the merger. Uh, and they lost thoroughly in court. So I'm not going to bore people with like the legalese of all this. But if you care, I would say like, you know, go back, read a couple of reviewing, read the the um, the filing. Um, it's like 53 pages. Super interesting. But essentially what ended up happening is the judge threw out the FTC's case. Um, they have one more appeal out, which does not look good, primarily because a couple of things have happened this week, um, which basically means there's only two countries remaining that are blocking the merger. And that's um, the UK, which it looks like in the UK, um, Microsoft's going to like divest a portion of Activision Blizzard and like the UK will be happy with that. And then New Zealand started their final like tribunal reviews, I think today. And it should, there shouldn't be an issue there if every other country, major country in the world sort of approved it. So yeah, New Zealand and the UK, I think are the final two countries remaining, but the UK seems like a moot point, And then New Zealand doesn't seem like they'll potentially hold it up. So I still have very mixed feelings on this. Like I, it's a, it is a big centralization of stuff under the Microsoft umbrella. Right. And Microsoft did do things like force Bethesda to make their games Xbox exclusive. Um, but also, uh, fuck Bobby Kotick. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, it is, it's the idea of like the biggest thing around that for me is like Microsoft, the, well, being in the Microsoft ecosystem, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a fan just because I already have Game Pass, which is like their subscription service. Right. And so like I'm in the ecosystem. If they like Microsoft's thing is like any first party game they release always goes on Game Pass at this point. So that includes like Starfield coming up from Bethesda in a couple months, whatever Blizzard's next single player game. If this goes through generally, will probably also be on that service. Um, So I'm kind of happy, but I agree. It's sort of like the idea of like the streaming thing like where everything sort of like media just sort of congregates into a couple of companies so but in general from an exclusive perspective microsoft is not as bad as as playstation or sony is so true don't feel too bad about that um so yeah so that's on that so it looks like merger gonna go through which means in a couple years we'll probably see something happen but it mergers like that (laughs) that large always take a while to sort of all filter out see what actually happens so um, don't expect much to change in terms of Blizzard stuff, though. Like, there's not tomorrow. All of a sudden, it's Microsoft and everything's great. Like, I don't know Bethesda is still Bethesda, and they've been you know under the Microsoft umbrella for a couple of years now. So, um, they'll still put out some janky ass buggy game that 
doesn't mm-hmm. work and they'll then patch it. So um, or let the let the modders patch it instead. That's true. <laughs> exactly. Um Cool. All right. Well, then next up, little quick little story. Well, since we're going to eventually talk about uh, augmentation evokers or just evokers in general, um, Blizzard did clarify that they have put in place bad luck protection for the evoker legendary weapon uh, in this patch. Um, so basically, the idea is it's not retroactive, so it only counts for future kills um, starting in 1015. Uh, and the idea is that if you don't get the drop, you get a bit of bad luck protection for the next time you kill it. Um, with depending on the difficulty you're killing it in, that bad luck protection is increased. Meaning, if you kill it on mythic, don't get it. You get like the largest bump in bad luck protection versus heroic, etc. Um, yeah. They don't stack. It doesn't seem like so you can't like kill it like people have been doing, which is it's, like lower difficulties up. But it's the kind of system that they've been using for a while with like currencies and things, where if you kill it on heroic, maybe you get a one percent buff, and then if you kill it on mythic, you get another one percent. But if you had just killed it on Mythic, you would have just gotten 2% instead of having to exactly. get one and then one. Yeah, exactly. So um, good for you evokers out there. Good for maybe my evoker. We'll, we'll see if we eventually get a legendary also, weapon. So just want to mention, the numbers I used, they were pulled out of my ass. I have yes. no idea what the numbers are. Nobody does. I hope it's not just 1% because that's kind of low. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so bad luck protection on that. I think, I think it makes sense. I don't, to be completely honest with you, I think, I think I like this acquisition method. It kind of sucks that it sort of dropped immediately for the mythic, for the first mythic kill for, you know, liquid and everybody thought it was a, you know, a guaranteed drop. But if they had been a little bit more upfront with the fact that it was a chance, I'm fine with it. So yeah, it, yeah. The it fact that you like get it on with, lower difficulty sort of hurts it more in my mind. but Right, and they also didn't clarify for a long time that it wasn't an independent chance per difficulty. It was a, like once per, not once per week basically, but yeah. you if you just killed it on the highest difficulty, you had the, that was your shot, right? Yeah. If you killed it on the lower and then the higher, you just wasted your time on the lower because the higher is the, the chance that you had basically. Exactly. So just a little bit of not a ton of information around it, which sucks that has eventually come out. But um, but no, it's a it's a weapon you get to craft. I think it's cool. Um, so um, well, moving quickly here, because we have a lot to talk about. Um, one feature that didn't really get a ton of sort of play, which I don't even know if we knew about was coming, is um, there is the sort of a gear catch up system in place, which basically is any character between the levels of ten and sixty that you don't log into for sixty days. When you log back in, they get a special like welcome back gift, uh, which essentially will do, does a couple things. Give you gives you um, like a full set of level appropriate gear. Um, so in case you are behind in any gear, it sort of get a bunch of gear. Set your specialization to a specific thing when you when you log in. You get to select which specialization you want to do, and the gear matches that specialization. Um, it also lets you wipe the quest log of the character and then place you in either Orgrimmar or Stormwind near Chromie, so you can then select like the next expansion you want to level through. Um, yeah. It doesn't wipe quest logs if you're in BF, or what, what was it, if you're in Shadowlands or BFA, I think they said. Um, but um, if you're lower, you can always select that. So it's a good change. I mean, it's it's good in case like you are like leveling a character, stop leveling them, and then like want to pick it back up and you're lost. Like I've definitely done that before with older characters where I've logged in and been like, what am I supposed to be working on? Because I'm in the middle of a zone. That, like, <laughs> I don't know why I just logged off here. Yeah, um, there's there's also things like um, every time they've kind of tweaked gear scaling, 
which they did at the beginning of Dragonflight. So this is this is pretty recent too. Mm-hmm. Um, your old gear could end up in kind of a weird state where it wasn't really high enough item level for the zone you were now in or the level you now were. Um, mm-hmm. They fixed some of that with the gear scaling for Dragonflight uh, that they had broken with the Dragonflight pre-patch. Uh, but there's still issues with it, especially like if you have a character that you haven't logged into since like Legion, right? Um, if you log into them now, their gear is kind of hosed. Yep. And so this feature fixes that. If you've got a level 50 or something that you haven't logged into since Legion, um, that can now, yeah, you can log in, have level appropriate gear, and be good to go. Yep, exactly. Um, so it's a good, I think it's a good, like, just, Hey, getting back into character, play it and you're, you're get set up with able, with the ability to like move yourself, not do a bunch of work to like actually go and play that character. It's just like, yep. Hey, reset everything, jump in and, and play the game. So, um, good to get people back into it, which I think is something that Blizzard should kind of keep on top of. Um, as like, even I have a, I have a couple buddies that have just randomly come back, um, just to play the game for a couple months. So, um, well, cool. Well, I think we're going to hit maybe next up the nerf section or well, let's call it what it is. The changes section of the podcast. So there was a bunch of or not a bunch of there's probably just three key changes that came out this week to both fights and items. We'll sort of take them one at a time. So one of the first one is Mythic Zakarn, um got changed again. Um, and so uh, not majorly, but they did change timers for Mm-mm-mm. two abilities. Majorly. Okay. Eh, they change right. timers for abilities. They but what this does, so you know those overlaps I was really, really complaining about, like tactical destruction plus trap overlaps where you like you are having to run out of the tactical destruction into a safe zone for the traps. They had mm-hmm. already kind of like made those better by not having random traps, but now traps don't occur during those at all. Those overlaps are gone. The other thing about it is... Um, the way that they change the timers, there are no longer conflicting things in the spell queue. Like you could end up with two abilities in the spell queue and the order that they went off in was just kind of arbitrary. You could usually get one, but sometimes we get the other and it would change how the fight played out. And it was very frustrating. Now that doesn't happen because the spells just don't end up conflicting. So the spell queuing issue is also gone. So I would actually call this a fairly major change, even if a lot of the impact of the overlaps was already blunted by uh, the change to not have random traps. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so maybe the specific changes, since we started talking about this changes yeah, overlaps. Okay, okay. So um, Dragonfire Traps, the cooldown of the spell was changed from about 30 seconds to now 34 seconds. Um, so there are now four seconds delayed uh, after the first set. The, so the first cast of Dragonfire Traps. The first Traps, set special, yeah. Still, yeah, it's still the same. I think it's like 20 seconds into the fight. But every cast after that will now be four seconds later. Um, and so what that ends up doing overall, like you said, uh, misses the overlap. And then I think based on the timings, um, you'll get one less trap set across the entire encounter before the Enrage. Um, so one less trap set to deal with. And then the other cooldown they adjusted was sh- the shrapnel bomb. So basically the tank soak bombs that went from 30 seconds to 45 seconds. Um, and so that's, I think three less sets of bombs, which is, I think that's probably the biggest change here. Um, and number one, you know, the overlaps I think are huge, but then just three less sets. I mean, you probably can get away now with even two tanking this as a part of 
you're even progression if you're still progression yeah there there are a lot of guilds that do to tank this on prog i do think yeah. it's easier because the damage check is not real to uh two three tank it and yeah. just like that third tank runs around does does uh bombs and actually can do traps and can free up people if you're not running around with multiple bm hunters they can just do traps for free basically yeah exactly um but yeah it's just another change on zakarn to get rid of the overlaps which i mean it, it almost seems like this might have been like i know we, we we dislike random traps well the community just like i don't think they're that, i don't think they're that bad they are annoying but in any event it almost seems like this would have been the better change to start with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like change, it's a smaller change. Cha yeah. Yeah. Change some of the overlaps with that. Change the fact that like you're not running, like you said, you're not doing title destruction plus traps are spawning. So you potentially are running into traps and like you lose your safe area, things right. like that. So, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, but yeah, more, more changes to Zakarn, which is, yeah, I mean, a, a boss that, I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird boss in that, like, I really liked it, but at the same time had some had some frustrating pieces to it. So, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say I really liked it, but I did have fun parking it and I would have had more fun if we didn't have random pulls just get like, you know, spiked by these stupid traps spawning where we're trying to run to. Exactly, exactly. Um, so arguably the best boss in this instance, I would say, is also receiving some nerfs. So Rashok, the Elder, um, aka the probably the highest healing check boss we have in the raid, um, is receiving some nerfs, um, primarily to three key abilities. Um, so that is the Searing Slam damage has been reduced, um, Overcharge damage has been reduced, and the Conduit Flare damage has been reduced. So essentially all of the major healing events, or sorry, well, damage events that require healing, um, their damage has been reduced, you know, between six and a half and 12%, um, which should lessen the healing check for this fight, um, which is good. I, I mean, I think this was, to be fair, the, the hardest in this raid, at least the hardest healing check boss. And I would say, honestly, the hardest healing check boss we've had in a while. There's been, at least from a start to finish type boss, there's been bosses before where there have been sections of the boss, very difficult to heal, very high healing, but like in general, something like this, or this boss was like foot on the gas from the start to finish. And it was, uh, it was, it was intense. Um, yeah. So for reference, um, the searing slam change in particular, uh, what this kind of targets is at the end of the fight, searing slam is dealing more than your entire health bar. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just more than your whole health bar. They reduce the damage of it by six and a half percent. Um, what that does it's still going to be a little bit more than your health bar like you need a dr cooldown for it um it is very difficult to make a raid comp that doesn't have that you have to have zero warriors you uh have to have no holy paladin uh no resto shaman yep uh you can't really have any pal i mean you get the like three percent dr from any paladin uh no death knights oh yeah the uh, yeah, right. and your priest can't play disc, which they shouldn't be playing disc. They should be playing holy. But <laughs> I mean, if you had literally zero other DRs, your your priest could play disc, and that actually yeah. could be the play because of the DR. Um, like it's just really difficult though to like enter this boss and have no way to live the last one now. Um, before you kind of needed two to make it safe with a yeah. charge dot going off, and uh, now you don't. Now you don't. 
It'd be a lot safer. So yeah, and I mean it'll it'll that'll that'll basically trickle down to even earlier on the fight because that was the biggest thing was from a cooldown perspective. You wanted everything late, but you also needed sometimes you needed it earlier in the fight. So right, and balancing yeah. those two things is hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly with the fight length and the fact that like you couldn't get three clean uses of most three minute cooldowns. It was like you basically would only get two, which means you're huge delays in between using them. You, it's, you would have like this awkward middle of yeah. just dead zone just live um, do whatever you can <laughs> yeah where it's like you're carrying with yulon and flourish yeah. and other short cooldown stuff yeah, any minute cooldown that a healer can have or Which, yeah like actually offensive. big big like benefit to mistweavers yulon being a one minute cooldown was great for this fight yeah no yeah we we blasted so um but yeah no so i mean good good changes i think we're gonna start to see more of this now um between now and and sort of you know, ten two or ten you know, whatever ten two. It's right. So we'll we'll hit ten one seven. I think their goal is probably ten one seven. If you're a mythic guild that puts in any serious time, you kill. You know, you you clear um, Sarkarath at that point. So, um, yeah. So cool. And then one final change or nerf, uh, probably warranted, is uh, they've made some. They made an item change to a new item that came in with the new uh, mega dungeon, Echoing Tearstone. Um, which is a healing trinket. Um, essentially, what it ends up doing is it's an on-use trinket. It allows you to store healing, and then it expends that healing to your allies. Um, the 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 problem uh, is it's 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 uncapped in the way that it distributes its healing, and it does a a lot of healing um, to the to the tune of you know there is a couple of logs out there where it's you know doing more than a than a revival, like double revival um, healing. And yeah, I, I have that too. Our yeah. Sarkareth kill, it did more than revival actually multiple times. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other sort of like videos and logs of it just negating mechanics because it triggers when people's health drop. So I know Swaggles put out a clip of it just like on experiments that first boss that does the AoE, his raid HP just not moving when they all stood in the AoE. And it's just... Yeah, I mean, so what Blizzard ended up doing is they are nerfing it in um, a couple different ways. Um, so basically, they um, are going to change it to now split the healing among the targets within its radius. Um, however, it does it will increase. They will increase the overall amount it heals. Um, so basically, it will now be able to record, I think, seventy percent more healing, um, but that will be split evenly across all of the allies in its radius. Um, and so the idea is that essentially this brings its power down um, slightly. We'll have to see exactly what this does in terms of how much. It was, of course, the best healing trinket in, in the game. Um, probably that, maybe not has ever been in the game, but it's it's very, very good. Um, and so we'll see if this nerf actually pushes it down. I still will suspect this will be a very good trinket for your healers to chase, though. Um, Often when they target lost. these things, they try and nerf them in ways that they're still the best. Mm -hmm. They just aren't like completely busted right broken yeah. right taking it down to where it's like two percent better than the next best thing or you know good but you know maybe more niche maybe sometimes it's really good and sometimes it's really not um exactly. rather than just a absolutely gutting it and making it just terrible because uh, like people spent time trying to get it and they don't want to make that time they don't want to invalidate that time basically they try to avoid that all I can tell is they, they've they've definitely over nerfed things in the past. True. I still I still remember. Oh, what was the trinket? It was from 
It was from the, the Courtyard Boss at Nighthold, the mirror, I think it was, which mm-hmm. was arguably best sealer trinket coming out of Nighthold and then became the worst one you could pick up after I looted it Heroic Week. Nice. Really, they nerfed it after Heroic Week, which is great. Love, love Blizzard. Um, nice. But yeah, so I mean, echoing Tearstone, the nerf was needed. Um, I think to be fair, like I said, I this basically will bring it, bring it in line more towards probably, you know, one of your top trinkets you can get. So right around if you're a Mistweaver class trinket, um, or, or Nelth Trinket plus Rashok in like that region um, of, a, of a trinket. So, um, all right, cool. Um, moving on. So that's out of the sort of the changes uh, for this week. Um, one, oh, so, so sorry, next little news review thing is there was a community council interview um, with old Mr. Eon and Graham Berger. Dude, Graham making his rounds. Love Graham. Yep. Um, back on this. And so they, the community council interview, ask a bunch of questions. Um, they hit on a couple of, of topics. So I just want to pull out a couple of things. Um, and maybe we hold the augmentation discussion for the end. So we can yeah. sort of link that with the next piece and we'll, we'll sort of talk about that. Cause they did, yeah. do a, they did do a section on augmentation. Um, so a couple of things, they did talk a little bit on the gearing aspect. Um, and so I think what, what Ian's point was they like the current system. They're not going to stop experimenting with it. Um, and basically what, you know, Ian's point was essentially was trying to strike a balance between having items you chase, essentially items you, you have to work at to get and not sort of link, having that carrot linger out there for too long. Um, and so, and then not sort of pulling it back too. So it's too predictable where it's like, I will do this content for three weeks and then I will have all my items and everything will be great. Right. I think they want to, they don't want to be too deterministic, we'll say in their looting, but at the same time, they don't want you to have to you know, create a bunch of alts, boost them, and do LFR Sarkareth to get the augmentation legendary, right? Like, I think they need to strike that balance. Yeah. Um, yep. I, I will say the current, like, at least gearing-wise, I think I'm fine with it. I mean, the, the catalyst, I think, is always going to be, people are always going to want that earlier than it comes out. But I think at the six-week mark, probably the best type of balance where, like, at least for me, like, that's the point in any sort of new raid patch where I'm like, okay, time to start playing an alt, and I really don't want to have to worry about collecting tier. Yeah. Right? Um, like, my main will have already had four-piece, so I think it, it there's a balance. I think we can argue about if six weeks makes sense. To I think people on both sides of that argument are, are probably valid. Um, but I will say is it I hope the upgrade system continues. It's just slowed down. <laughs> Meaning, like, I don't want... 10 aspect crests to be able to be gotten the first week i think in my mind if you move that back to like three or four i think that's probably a better number in terms of the overall upgrades i mean i i think i think 10 in week one is fine because you look at like the worm crests that you actually needed to upgrade mythic plus gear you got 10 in the first week and that was enough to upgrade three items Mm -hmm. um and maybe upgrading three items to 441 week one is too much you know okay maybe so um the real kind of i still maintain that the real breaking point was that you could take your aspect your 10 aspect crests and turn them into 10 more worm crests and so instead of doing three on week one you could do five and you could do another five the next week and then you were done yeah exactly yeah no and that, that's yeah that's fair i mean i think in general though they they probably just need to slow it down so however they build that balance in terms of like is it less worms is it less aspects or less of both um i just think it was way too fast this tier which is the first time they put it in which is understandable yeah. 
Like yeah. I was, was, I was talking to some friends last night and like my point, at least for me personally, like if you hit that four week timeline of like, you need four weeks of like maxing out your collection of crests um, to upgrade all your gear. I think that is a happy spot to try and hit, right? Where like you've, you've got your two crafted pieces. If they continue that, you've gotten all your actual like heroic or mythic gear. Well, maybe not mythic gear, but your heroic, your upgraded your heroic to max. Gear, yeah. Yeah, and then like you're slowly working on upgrading your mythic gear, which I guess at the time mythic wasn't in. So, um, but yeah, that's I think in general they seem happy with it. They just want to like always. They don't want. It seems like they don't want to go maybe more the Final Fantasy model of like deterministic killing a certain set of bosses or a certain like piece of content this right. many times nets you this specific upgrade. Right, right? the they kind of thing away from that. where you know the final boss of a wing of their tiers will always drop two weapon tokens. And yep. so it is going to take you a maximum of four weeks to get one of those weapon tokens if you are raiding with the same eight people every week. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so um, so I was just on that. Um, they talked a little bit about um, the leveling experience. Um, really no big news other than BFA is going, or sorry, Dragonflight will replace BFA as sort of the default leveling experience. Um, as a part of their plan in the future, which is good. I think Dragonflight's better than BFA. Give mm-hmm. me the hell out of the mall. Or not the mall. BFA was... Actually, BFA's not that bad, but I don't BFA like the pyramid. BFA level is fine. If you're it the just, Horde, though, the pyramid and like that zone is terrible, actually. I, I don't I don't totally agree with that, but BFA leads... The story of BFA leads into the story of Shadowlands, which is a big black mark on BFA by proxy. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so yeah, so they're upgrading that shortly and they're also looking at heirlooms, which I think is really interesting. Cause I don't know if you, so I don't like, typically if I'm going to level something, I just boost it, but I did go back and so I started a character probably like three or four months ago. It was a couple months ago and I didn't have heirlooms for it. And I then tried to like get <laughs> take heirlooms, heirlooms and, and then upgrade them. It is a massive amount of gold. Like I didn't yeah. realize that like just to upgrade one heirloom is like fifty thousand gold or something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And then you have to kit out a thing if you don't have that um that armor spec. Which so. you could. I don't actually. I don't know if you still can. You could spend alternate currencies. Like at one point you could spend valor on it. Uh, you could spend oh, PP yeah. currencies. So you could spend other currencies. Uh, that's on the it. BFA, or that's the Shadowlands vendor, right? In Orbos, maybe. Yeah, maybe they're still around um so there, there are other things you could spend on those upgrades but yeah they are they are not cheap um i am a no heirloom gamer so i just don't use them mm-hmm. i don't Fair engage enough. with that system pretty much at all i so it's funny the only reason i cared was like back in uh what was it what was the what was the uh back in was it mop no back in a uh, wad uh garage dropped a heirloom trinket the heirloom uh, yeah. or, or heirloom, uh, not trinket, but like item weapons. yeah wep- weapons yeah, or shields and stuff like that so i cared about it then because i was like limited <laughs> limited time traps i yeah, need these yeah um uh, but yeah, I, had no. a, I had a friend that at that point i wasn't rating like i hadn't mm-hmm. started rating it i had a friend that who was like oh you like we are doing sales of of garage and we just don't have another buyer for this we just like come and get your garage kill so i have a garage kill that dropped the weapon and so my hunter has the heirloom bow oh nice nice yeah um so it looks like they're looking at the leveling experience um i know that we've talked at length that like they probably need to do something but i think retail maybe is a little too far gone to to bring back the fun of leveling i don't 
I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. They didn't really talk about the actual problems with leveling yeah, like, in this interview. So, yeah. Um, and then the only other thing that I wanted to bring up, unless you, well, before we talk about evokers and you can always add some other stuff is, um, they did talk a little bit about the fact that Zaralak caverns, like the way you interact with content in Zaralak differs as the content stays uh, the longer the content is out. So like week one and week two, a bunch of people in there doing their leveling do, or not leveling, but doing their like rep stuff or, you know, yeah. killing rares and stuff like that. And so it's very, very packed versus now it's essentially empty, right? Where and so, like, there needs to be a balance in the way that they either like, they talked mostly about rares and things like that. But the idea of like balancing rares, so like, first week they may have more health because there's more people and you need more time to get there as yeah. the content goes on, lowering the health so you can solo or like two man the. And that's like rares. they have the they have stuff right now. One of the issues they run into is gear scaling as well. Um, I think they have had the system since BFA where rares. Ha- scale their hp based on the number of people in combat with them mm-hmm. but when you have for example a couple of highly geared raiders that happen to be the first ones on the mob it can actually still die before other people get to it it's not just like the number of players that are on yeah. it so they maybe need something where the hp actually just scales on the number of people in the zone to some degree yeah. um that way people That's actually true. have time to like, you know, oh, the skull or whatever the icon is popped up on my map. Uh, you know, I want to go over there and they just cannot get there in time because some very well geared, very high DPS people were there first and just like beat the crap out of it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll we'll see what they they said. They're going to keep this in mind for like future content, which I mean, always good to to take feedback and stuff like that. So um we'll see what happens but but yeah it's definitely i was doing some zarlac stuff the other day and it was yeah ghost town like rares were sitting up forever so yeah Um, uh one thing i did want to briefly bring up if you are a user of the default action bars 1015 brought a probably surprising change uh where they are now very flashy and loud oh i didn't know okay um they like when you cast a spell all of your spells that have cast times show a cast bar on them when you cancel the spell this is the canceling a spell i think is actually a useful effect it shows like a red circle on the spell that you canceled um Mm -hmm. when your gcd ends everything gets a little bit of a sparkly effect briefly uh there's a bunch of other little effects like that and it's just there's no way to configure them even if you get into like the advanced interface options um there's no way to configure it it's it's all on and there's no way to turn it off really um so they did confirm that there is a hot fix in the works to uh roll a lot of that back um probably pending actual settings for it to be able to like turn off parts or all of it um mm-hmm. even if they just add like cvars the advanced interface options can let people configure it in detail and yeah the actual main menu can just be like on or off or whatever on or minimal or off um because it yeah. is very distracting i i did not know that i don't play with the the default bars but yeah i can imagine if you're not expecting it a little little flashy um yeah, yeah. well cool well i guess now we can move on to the evoker and really it's augmentation so there was a sec- section of questions around augmentation evoker um and they sort of split it up between how the class is playing and then how it's interacting from like a community perspective point of view, I guess you could say. Um, and so basically they said sort of out of the gate, based on the data they have, particularly around Mythic Plus, happy with how it's going. Seems like a good class to bring. Um, they do need more raid data, which they might've gotten a little bit more today. 
Um, but, uh, (laughs) but, uh, but they seem to be at least happy, um, with how it is. And their goal, they sort of mentioned is to basically balance augmentation around other DPS. So they don't want augmentation to fall behind, um, or be lower just overall DPS. They want it to sort of fit in with its contributions with where other DPS classes are, which is, which is really good. Um, they also talked a little bit about, um, the theory crafting around augmentation, which if you don't know anything about augmentation, we don't you know, typically a monk podcast we can talk about here. Theory right. crafting is hilarious because it's essentially how, well, not even how, like no monk class, I think no monk spec, at least since I've been, you know, ear to the ground, the TC community has been like this, but essentially for, for augmentation focus, it's like you want intellect, you want mastery and you want nothing else. Like, there, there are like, there are basically like, if a ring has like, if there, if you have a ring that's like twenty item level difference, and the lower one has mastery, you wear that ring, right? right? Like because every other secondary stat is so bad for augmentation because it does not buff essentially ebb and might, which is what you give to other players to to buff their damage or to increase right. their main stat, right? So you, your only goal is augmentation, buffing ebb and might. Mastery does that, and then your own intellect does that too. So right. in general, those are the only two stats you care about. And yeah. everything else is god awful, like to the point of like, yeah, you actively avoid equipping things that don't have mastery on them. Yeah. Um. So they talked about this, which is actually really interesting to me that they actually mentioned this or, or, or sort of commented on that fact. And it's like, I I, I think they kind of took a little bit of a cop out. They sort of made the, the point of like, well, we think it's like easier to gear as like a new spec. And, you know, from a support perspective, it makes gearing a little bit easier. And I think there's probably some merit to that. It's the first you know, support spec in the game. So like right. giving it some sort of complexity, particularly around stats or even rotation, which we haven't talked about, but rotation is extremely simple. Um, just makes it so like entering in or actually playing the class becomes more difficult, right? So nowadays it's like, or now in its current iteration, generally a very easy spec to play and also generally a very easy spec to gear for, which yeah. I think lends itself to more people trying it out. So yeah. Um, it in some ways is actually kind of similar to um, classic gearing, not like the really absurd high end classic gearing where you're like getting random old world items and stuff like that. But a lot of people's experience of classic gearing way back then is like you had a stat that you cared about, you know, maybe you cared about armor penetration, and you just hard stacked yep. armor penetration. And that was your experience of gearing, even if it wasn't like technically 100% optimal, that was your experience of it. It was very straightforward. Armor penetration, good. Not armor penetration, not good. Very straightforward. Um, I wanted to comment a little bit on the like, you know, they talked about people focusing a lot on the DPS and talked about the utility that Augmentation Evoker brings. Because of how much utility Augmentation brings, they've kind of put themselves to the very difficult spot because it can't be as good in terms of damage as other specs and also bring all of the utility that it does. And even things like um, they brought up the fact that tanks mitigation scales off of main stat and Ebon might buffs your main stat by quite a bit. That actually is a very noticeable impact in keys. Like I've done a couple of like 22, 23 kind of territory keys with an augmentation evoker. And it just, it was very noticeable how, how safe it felt and then there's there's other things like they bring shields which were bugged uh and that got hot fixed this week they had they have a shield that's supposed to be capped based on their max hp and um (laughs) it was not capped so it was very very large shields um 
but then also it's just like they they bring a lot of stuff to a key they bring things like they bring a spell that you can put on somebody that lets them cast while moving um so it's, it's a heal well it's healer only so yeah well i mean sure uh the only one people that have really long channels that you can't like move during are healers are so healers, yeah, yeah. uh so it's like a- letting your holy priest cast during like cast him and walk away from a mechanic is massive yeah i mean that, yeah. and that like speaking of like even main i mean main stuff for healers is huge too yeah so like in in i think the right now the like in raid ebon might will more than likely never hit a healer unless you're gaming it to hit them yeah. but in keys like augmentation like to what you said like I, there's a bunch of anecdotal like tweets and like some other community stuff that's like i did a 23 with an with an augmentation evoker felt like a 20 right or felt like a 21 like we're like yeah. they're them being in the group is like noticeably making the entire key better basically, you know, more than just yeah. what they individually bring. So it's a really, it's a really cool thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think basically my point is they kind of overloaded the utility of yeah. the augmentation, including like the main stat buffs um, yeah. being so good for things that aren't just DPS to the point that like augmentation really cannot be as good at DPS as other specs or there's very little reason to bring other specs except yep. to be the things that are buffed by the augmentation evoker speaking yeah. of which do you want to talk about the unholy dk log <laughs> well one one quick thing because i do have okay. some some so while at the higher level keys augmentation very very oh, good right. people Memes. notice it in the mid tier which is where so my little baby evoker augmentation evoker doing my 14s or 15s right just kind of chilling um not as nice we'll say i definitely have people been kicking you i I've no, i haven't gotten kicked yet but i did get into an argument with a mage in a halls about why my damage why i was only doing thirty thousand damage like why was i doing less than the healer um or 30 or 40 i was like <laughs> me and the healer were competing and, and they were like this yeah. evoker is terrible like and i'm just like i feel like we need to like there need yeah so they're we've gotten a slight argument i was nice about it sort of um and so yeah so that was i did i have felt that there was that key and there was, there was actually one other key where someone mentioned something um but then somebody else in the group was like he's augmentation or their augmentation like their damage is generally gonna look lower so i think that's gonna be maybe the one stigma um although honestly with this log that's coming out and plus a lot of the other community perception at the high end uh, that are very high so on augmentation, bleak, I think it's I think downwards. it's less, yeah, yeah, than than what we'll see. But yeah, it's I guess the one limitation, so people are aware of, is that there are in logs combat hooks. We, I think we talked about this last week, where yeah. logs can show the contribution of the augmentation evoker, um, which means for a site like Warcraft logs, you should log your mythic plus runs, which is something that people traditionally haven't done. But let's push more traffic to your employer, Emerson. Great, um, <laughs> but it doesn't show in game. So the so the in game combat log doesn't have the same attribution, which means like details, recount, like those sort of damage meters only show the actual damage the evoker has done and not the contribution of Ebon Might to a DPS class. So they look low. But use Warcraft logs or. I think it's really the only log site out there. Um, yeah, use that it, to see <laughs> to um, see the contribution. So, um, so yeah, this is. I didn't actually watch this part of this interview. Um, they didn't really like the way the the summary of it is written. Is like you know, right now the spec is super new, so the support's just not there yet. You literally, it was a deliberate decision by Blizzard to not put the combat log hooks in game. So yeah. that's realistically never coming to details until they actually change their mind on that. 
details has like a work in progress augmentation reattribution thing that uh as far as i know is even farther off than the warcraft logs one the the warcraft logs one is also off but that's because blizzard bugs uh there's no pet reattribution so unholy dk's look really good uh bm hunters look really good uh certain damage accumulation effects don't get reattributed so stuff like ignite so mages look really good and uh totem for arcane mages same deal there's some other uh it's like execution sentence i don't know if that still exists but that was one there's just a bunch of like those floating around that don't get reattributed and then in the other direction the combat log takes too much damage from physical damage events because they forgot to factor in armor reducing the amount of damage that's done that's awesome uh then there's also a bug where if a damage event is fully absorbed they like screw up the calculation and it can subtract millions of damage from someone that is is fully absorbed so we've gotten a few bug reports because this happens on assault of the zakali you know the the caster ads that do their channel with the shield well your damage if it's fully absorbed and you have ebon might it can freak out and take away like millions of damage we had somebody pop up and they because Jesus. we didn't really have a like the code is not set up to handle somebody doing negative dps um that's fair yeah their their estimated rank was negative 247 that is <laughs> hilarious completely broke it just random yeah um that's funny. so yeah it logs are kind of scuffed right now too in general but as long as you're aware of what the limitations are right like you don't you can look at the augmentation evoker and go, okay, they were buffing, um, you know, a DK and a Beastmaster Hunter. They're going to look worse than one that was buffing, you know, a Frost Mage. Yeah, exactly. I think the other thing, too, that's missing is none of the healing events, at least oh, in yeah. keys, contain the hook. So, like, your heal, yeah. like, there, there's he- not a... Healing events are, are double fucked. Yeah, like you can't, there's no contribution of the uh, augmentation evoker to healing in a key. Uh, I mean, maybe in a raid you'd care, but like that would be sort of a specific thing based just based on Ebonmite's targeting. So, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's really difficult. You have to basically put prescience on a healer to make Ebonmite target them in a raid unless you have yeah. like tons and tons of augmentation evokers. Yeah, um, exactly. So it mostly doesn't come up, but it technically does. And you could use it to just like get really good healing parses on top of like if you also had echoing tear stone, you would basically be unbeatable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so cool. Yeah. So I guess real quick or not real quick, but um, to the extent that augmentation is potentially broken, um, I think a couple of streamers or content creators put together a raid, which essentially had, I think, like 20. What is this? Like 22 augmentation evokers. Yeah. Something like that. Um, it's a 30-person so, raid. And, yeah. Yeah, 22. Yeah. Um, and then two uh, unholy DKs that they were buffing. And they were killing heroic bosses in sub 30 to, to 40 seconds, which is up to like up through Magmarax. I think, you know, every kill was extreme. Like Rashok was a 20-second kill. Uh, Magmarax was 17 seconds. The Echo only was reason anything is longer than this is just because of RP on these fights and intermissions and things like echo of Neltharian is a three minute long kill because they push the boss in phase one to the end of his phase two, like where it caps the HP at 35% and then have to waddle around slowly killing. It takes forever to kill the ads with 22 augmentation evokers. Um, 
So yeah, then like similar deal with Sarker at the boss, like hard stopped them at 30% in phase one mm-hmm. and then skipped entirely skipped phase two and went into phase three. Yeah. Um, and so it's, uh, it's a little busted. It's a little busted. These, these numbers look like the all windwalker raid that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, where the all windwalker raid, you know, kind of abusing the tier set thing where it was, it was multiplying every windwalkers, uh, damage for every application of the tier set from any windwalker. So if you got 30 in the same raid, it was just really insane. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, I wish I could actually pull this up. I managed to break my stream setup. Uh, so I gotcha. can pull it up on stream. Um, I tried. Uh, and so basically my understanding of how this is working is a couple of things uh first off you have specs that have really really high bursts so you have two unholy dks in here and an arcane mage um Mm -hmm. these are your base that like augmentation evokers basically multiply other specs damage and so you want to get the biggest uh biggest bursty specs out there for your base for everybody to multiply off of um, they have two shadow priests in here too that are basically, I'm pretty sure, just there to PI the yep. unholy DKs, which is hilarious. So good. Um, and then the arcane mage also brings bloodlust, which is nice. Uh, because did you know, none of the tanks have bloodlust. Oh, interesting. Did not. Um, yeah. So then the next step of this is evokers have an ability called Breath of Aeons. Um, Breath of Aeons puts a debuff. It's like their like deep breath or dream breath equivalent. Um, and it puts a debuff on everything it hits that is going to accumulate all of the damage that gets put into it by targets with Ebon Might. And then what you do is Breath of Aeons also scales off. If you get Breath of if you get Ebon Might off on other people that are augmentation evokers that have also used Breath of Aeons. Just, yeah. To the moon. Just, yeah, exponent, yeah. Exponential um, scaling, basically, which is crazy. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of how this works. Yeah, I don't, it's, I mean, this is definitely, I think, a very niche case of, like, stacking it to the extreme Um, in terms of, like, yeah, 22 or so augmentation of Ogres in a single raid. I don't know how much this trickles into actual progression content. Yeah. Um, Where they, where Blizzard needs to make a change here, but... It is interesting that you know you can you can push the game to this level with this sort of new support spec and and some of the new interactions with abilities. So I suspect we'll s- that they're going to do something about the breath of Aeon scaling. Um, yeah. Like for reference, Mythic Sarkarith has six hundred sixty six million HP. Heroic thirty player Sarkarith has six hundred million HP. Now you can't get the exponentials as large with twenty people instead of thirty. That is a very important detail. Mm-hmm. But you can still make them very big. Um, and they're already kind of limited by the Ebon Might thing. Like you can't scale off of somebody's Breath of Aeons that didn't have your Ebon Might on them. You can only Ebon Might three targets or five targets rather. Uh, or four. It's like, yeah, it's like four. Um, so you're already kind of limited by that. Um, but even with all those limitations and everything, like if you were to put together a comp very similar to this, and walk into Mythic Sarkareth, 
I suspect you would be able to just like hard push out of phase one. Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah. I think healing still becomes an issue. So I don't know if you get, you know, as many, like, you know, you'd still need two or so healers, but. Well, it depends on how much of the phase you skip. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, I guess you need, like, you can't get, you have to clear all of your debuffs. So you would probably still need healers. Like you would still need healers. It's just a question yeah. of like, how many healers you'd have amz's you'd have uh evokers bringing lots of absorbs very durable class bringing lots of absorbs um and yeah like just be okay so potentially you would run into actual issues where you have to clear two debuffs on mythic as opposed to just the one on Mm -hmm. heroic so you would depending on how fast you pushed would need to do some shenanigans to make it work yeah um but yeah, it's uh, it's very very good. Yeah, it's a very good. Cl- I mean, I like I said, I've I've been having a blast playing it. I feel feel really strong. And yeah, like I said, it's not too complex. So if you're looking to get into the support thing, I think it's a really cool like first iteration. Um, but Blizzard definitely will have to start to think about if they expand a support class beyond just evokers and add a second one. They'll definitely need to take into account how both support classes interact with each other. Because right now there's definitely yeah. a scaling issue with just one. You had a second type of scaling into the mix. And yeah, there's yeah. I think it becomes a lot more complex there. So one thing I also don't I don't know how this works. Um I was asking a couple people about it and I didn't get a clear answer. I don't know if people really know because it's pretty niche, I would say. But Eben might says this. Uh increase your nearest four allies primary stat by 10% of your own. So if you are buffed by Ebon Might as an augmentation evoker, does your Ebon Might then provide more stats too? I don't know. But in the past when they've implemented certain stuff, like, well, typically there's a trigger, right? It's either your base yeah. stats or... Um, I'm just well, it could, like, go, it could go any way, right? Because it could be your yeah. base stats like from gear only. Yep. Um, it could be any buffs on top of that. Plus, and it could just ignore Ebon Might. Like they have yeah. done stuff like that before. So like, yeah. I don't know exactly how this works, but one possibility is that you could kind of do this thing that other other MMOs, we call it laddering, where <laughs> you would buff a stat that would let you unlock another buff that you would use to buff the thing that originally left you ca- let you cast the stat buff. Um, and you would just alternate yeah, and, and forth. just like get crazy stat values. Anyway, uh, I'm curious if you could do that with Ebon Might now. Uh, yeah. Uh, I have not looked very much into the the augmentation of Orca community, but uh, I'm sure they're already on the case, especially yeah. in light of this morning's shenanigans. Yeah, trying to yeah trying to figure it out. So, um, well, cool. Well, only a couple more topics. I know we're we're going a little bit long today, but we did have a, a ton of stuff I think to cover. So yeah. Um, and we do have a question this week, which I actually want to talk about because I think it's yep. important. Um, so real quick, they did release the first set of 1017 notes. We're not going to go through them, but except for one point, um, which is very monk specific. So under the Mistweaver heading uh, for 1017, they did make a developer's note. Now there's no spell changes to this, but the note essentially reads that um, they are looking into making changes to Manatee uh, coming in to 1017. Um, essentially they, and this is sort of an interesting set of words they put together is their goal for this redesign. And I'll just read it word for word is to centralize Miss Weaver's mana management into a dynamic evergreen talent 
It offers a satisfying way to actively engage with mana as a resource and addresses some of the longstanding mana concerns in a more permanent way, um, which essentially reads that we're getting old mana tea back, which maybe. <laughs> so like, okay. if you're not familiar- I'm gonna need you to explain that, yeah. Yeah, so if you're not familiar with the way, so when, when Miss Weaver first came out, I think a couple things were different than the way the class was today. Number one, we had she as a resource, and a lot of our like building and spending was was centered around or balanced around she, which meant mana was essentially a secondary resource for much of it, much of what we did. Mana helped you maintain certain buffs, like renewing mist out on the raid, and then you used she to actually do the bulk of your healing. As a part of this, so that was one piece of it, um, which meant our mana costs were generally higher because we were able to leverage chi to push more healing. Okay. Um, as a part of this, Manatee was a spell that wasn't like it was today. It was essentially was based on um, a buff you got, and then you consume that buff to give yourself mana back. So as you did certain actions, it was actually just based on random ticks of renewing this. I don't remember the specific implementation. You could then channel Manatee and consume those stacks and get mana back. Um, so the idea is if you got up to, I think it's capped at 20 stacks, you could eat those 20 stacks for mana and you essentially could refill your mana bar. Um, it played kind of like Arcane Mage in many cases where right. you could basically use all your mana, ev- evoke, or not, was that, yeah, that's evoke. Evocation. Oh, uh, evocate. And then, um, and then um, get all your mana back. So similar mana T was set up that way. It was sort of a dynamic way of doing it. The stacks were not generally controlled by you. They sort of randomly occurred. But you did control when you started to consume them. Um, it was through a channel. There eventually was a glyph that allowed you, that put Manatee on a cooldown, but you would instantly consume stacks. So you didn't have to channel. You could just put a slam it and consume stacks. Um, but it was definitely a dynamic way of interacting with your mana. So we'll see if that actually occurs. Um, it's much different than today's Manatee, which is just a 10-second buff that halves the mana cost of all your spells. Um, so it's less interactive. Um, so we'll see. I mean, the... The thing is, I'm all for it. I'm all for like more ways to interact with your mana. Um, oh, there we go. Thank you, Onion, for reminding me. It's by spending chi and and having multi strike got you more channel, more charges of the manatee buff, which you then could consume for mana. Um, but um, it, so it was a much more dynamic game. I would say in today's Mistweaver, there's already a lot of dynamicness to it, like the fact of tracking yeah. rem stacks, of pushing those sort of um, those sort of like ramp windows. And then adding this on top of it from a mana management perspective might be a little too much. Um, but I'm for one excited. I mean, to be fair, always excited for changes to the class. So changing Manatee potentially back to original Manatee, which I think is maybe a pipe dream. They probably do something a little bit different. Um, will be interesting. Yeah. I mean, Mistweaver has had mana issues the entire time. Just the entire time it's existed basically since Legion. Um, and the only time I think that it hasn't really had mana issues are periods where the spec was so broken that you just kind of ignored it as a resource. Yeah. Like right Uh, now, like I would say right now is one of those times where like you essentially can play no mana talents, just have two piece and be generally fine in almost any mythic content, right? Yeah. Like you play around your Yulon, um, things like that. Um, you're perfectly fine. So yeah, I mean, since really since Legion, with the removal of Chi, they've never really nailed Mistweaver's mana, like we'll say targets or like mana usage on spells, right? They've either been wildly off or like yeah. not enough or like the spells we want to use are just low mana cost anyway and they're the most powerful. So yeah, it's yeah. been it's been an interesting, we'll say, balancing period since the Legion rework for them. Um, so yeah, this sort of points us or pushes us maybe in a more interesting direction. So, 
Um, if it means that Mistweavers stop being like mana, 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 mana about everything, <laughs> because it is actually a problem, right? And it is a real limiter. Yeah. You know, that'll be nice. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I mean, I, I has it. So I'm, I might be a one, maybe a little bit different than community. I think our mana cost is high, but I think you can play around it. So I'm not in that full camp of like, we have mana issues. I think you can play around them. I mean, um, I think it kind of like I, the community perception to... is you're a high mana cost class. And like, if you, I think the biggest problem, maybe my issue with that perception is it's stemmed from the fact that like we have, we, we waste a lot of mana catching up from mistakes. So if you don't play or plan ahead, you spend a lot of mana to then catch up. And so in generally, like you, fall you don't have a way behind. Yeah. You fall further behind. You don't very much. We don't have very good ways to recover mana, which I think is yeah. maybe what they're looking at. Like where if a mistake yeah. happens in your own play, you're essentially behind for the remainder of that fight versus other classes yeah. have ways to either, you know, catch back up or, or have some sort of equilibrium. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, you know, this talent can go like everybody as when this first came out was like, Oh man, he's coming back. But to be fair, they could go a different direction, focus more on like short reductions, almost like thunder focus right. T and like you reduce certain spells with certain intervals or, you know, you build up a reduction where then you can use it on a set of spells that comes up. I mean, it's, you know, they could go honestly anyway with it, but yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see, but it's interesting. More, more change, more, I mean, not massive, but like we'll say solid changes in, in Miss Weaver coming up. But just class in general, which I think is awesome in 10, one, seven. So, um, real quick thing from our previous topic, someone (laughs) in chat, uh, Abo Sumer, uh, is saying that Ebonmite stacking on augmentation is ignored. Uh, or at least was on PTR, and they're not sure if it's been rechecked on live. But at least at some point, the developers saw the fat, said, we don't want people to ladder Ebon Might up to a bajillion main stat, yeah. and uh, and cut it off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll, I mean, yeah, it's good that they they sort of cut that off. But, um, but yeah, on the Mistweaver talent thing, we'll see where they take Manatee. It'll be interesting. I think they probably, def- I mean, Based on the current play style and how good two pieces, they definitely have to make a change going into next year. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what they do in ten one seven. Um, well, cool. Well, final thing, and I know we're we're about ten minutes over our current time, but just bear with us here. We did get a question this week, which I think is interesting, um, and I guess we'll read it. So it comes from Matthias, um, and they ask uh, with the release of the augmentation evoker and a lot of the newer smart targeting built into many of their abilities, which is primarily Evan might. Are we going to see similar quality of life improvements for other classes? Healers in particular have withdrawn their focus out of the game world when staring at health bars that need to be clicked on. Um, so smart targeting. Um, as my a comment, healer, sorry. Yeah, my comment on this is that we didn't we already have this? We, we did. Had, yeah. So if people are familiar, I mean, we'll say Wad it's is been, really it's been a long time. Yeah, I think Wad was the peak of this maybe kata and then they've basically scaled everything back since then but previous iterations of healers spells were essentially smart most healer spells that hit a group were smart heal spells meaning they would target your lowest hp raid members with it so like wild growth for druids i think is still an example of smart healing i think that still has smart healing capabilities in in place but every bounce of chain heal used to heal the lowest health target in range of the person it's jumping from um like effluence would do the same thing in an AOE. Um, what are some other things? Like Renewing Mist, I think, used to jump to the lowest HP health target uh, in range. So we've had smart healing in the past. Blizzard has slowly scaled back. 
that. Um, and I don't, I don't think smart healing comes back. I like in general, like the, um, the idea is they don't want, I think Blizzard doesn't want any sort of non-targeted AOE healing to always be the most effective healing, like to be the most effective healing you can do, which it's yeah. probably an effective heal anyway, but like if it also targeted the lowest health members, it becomes just that much better. Right. Um, so Onion is pointing out that like Radiance currently goes on people without atonement. And I think that's slightly different because yeah. Radiance is not, I mean, Radiance is a heal now. Historically, Radiance was not a heal yeah. in any meaningful sense of the word. It was a thing that applied to atonement and you can't. So like if it would, uh, if it would target people at random that already had atonement, you would end up in situations where sometimes you would get a ramp and it, your radiances would give you 10 targets. And other yeah. times you'd have a ramp and your radiances would give you five targets. And that would be really, really bad. Yeah. I mean, it's like the, I mean, it's similar to the current renewing mist jumping logic where like renewing mist would, will not jump to a target that already has renewing mist, even yeah. if they meet the being damaged profile of it, it'll always try and find a target without renewing mist on it when it, when yeah. it triggers its jump. So yeah, I mean, when, when we say, I guess, to clarify, when we say smart healing, it's literally generally in the past, smart healing is meant targeting the lowest health members of your raid, like the lowest health individual member of your raid with a non-targeted spell, basically. Yeah, it's basically um, it's it's spells that it, there's a two different kinds of smart, I think, that are going on. One is the renewing Mr. Atonement kind, where it kind of bricks the spell if there's not that kind of intelligent somewhat yeah. intelligent thing where you don't put atonement on the same targets or you don't have your renewing mist jump to a target that already has renewing mist and just kind of delete one from existence right mm -hmm. yep um and then there's the other kind which is smart heals that are um can be good on their own without the intelligence something like a chain heal yep but then you add this extra thing where they try and make they try and pick the best targets at all times, um, according to, you know, whatever best there is. And then they just become really oppressive, actually, from a gameplay perspective. Yeah, you, uh, you get you get BC era or sun like BC era uh, shaman, which was literally you put chain heal on a scroll wheel and you just moused over anybody you wanted and you topped healing meters because it didn't yeah. matter because your chain heal was always going to hit the most effective targets. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I. I would say smart healing targeting, probably not coming back. In terms of like augmentation, I think this goes back to what we talked about when we first sort of brought it up in this episode, which was I think Blizzard wanted to make augmentation as easy as possible to jump in and start playing. And the yeah. fact that Evan Might has essentially targets probably the best members, right? Um, or like yeah. has some logic built in that you can sort of gain, but in general always target a member that is will be able to use the buff of your group or raid makes sense for that this initial iteration of the class. Yeah, I, I also just think there's a bit of a difference here where like targeting people that are low health is a thing that makes sense and is pretty clear from just the standard default UI. You don't need any super fancy tracking to to tell. Mm -hmm. um, Ebonmite is very different from that in that if we didn't have something that like what it does right now, the way it works right now, um, it will always put two of your four Ebonmite buffs on your targets with Prescience. So Prescience is like this, you could think of it like Beacon of Light that you put out yeah. on uh, on two targets and they always get your Ebonmite. Um, 
and then there is uh, some intelligence for the other two, where like if a if a mage is in combustion or in icy veins or you know something like that, they are going to have preference to get a buff over somebody that's not in cooldowns. And you can think of like, okay, what would it re- require you to set up as a player in order to make that decision yourself, right? You would need to be track. You would need to a know everybody's cooldowns, add them to your UI to show them, and then you know you can imagine like if it were a renewing mist kind of thing instead of uh you push everybody and it goes to four targets, it would be like having to keep track of like oh their combustion's almost up. Let me let me like make sure that I don't give it to somebody else. I need to hang yeah. on to it for them, as opposed to how it works right now where it kind of does this reasonably intelligent thing of like trying to go on people with cooldowns although that one has issues as well because bestial wrath for bm hunters is one of the cooldowns and it's like 80 percent uptime yeah yeah so there's there's the current smart targeting for for um ebon might is better than than complete random by a lot but it still has its own issues that come with that yeah yeah, I will say, I mean, like the other the second half of the question, the comment about healers sort of taking their eyes out of the game and into their raid frames only, that's definitely an issue, but I don't think smart healing solves that, right? Because essentially then, like, you turn into what Mistweaver kind of was in the end of Shadowlands, which is you when just... you turn your raid frames off. You just turn your raid frames off, hit Essence Font. Just make sure you have Essence Font ready for whenever you hit um the, the what's the mirror ability from venthyr yeah I I, the venthyr ability i don't know whatever what i cannot remember the backstreet what boys whenever you yeah. summon the backstreet boys yeah um then like and then you hit essence font after that and then you're good fallen order thanks onion um <laughs> that's the that's 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 the that's the um that's the that's the other extreme of then you are in the game world but like the buttons you press don't matter and i think blizzard will always want you as a healer to you know use abilities on certain targets and make that's a part of the decision making of being a healer so right yeah i doubt we see that smart targeting in go into healing at all maybe it goes into other you know dps abilities or other yeah definitely other support abilities but yeah and so kind of where ebon might falls is there's a little bit of like intelligence in the the what would be the randomly targeted ebon might but there's still the ability for the evoker to move their prescience around and be like, yeah. okay, this person is going to be going into cooldowns, or maybe this person's doing a setup for a cooldown, like you have like a Debo lock that's that's doing a setup for a cooldown or something. And so you can move your prescience over to them and actually exercise that control and bypass the like the smart healing is maybe not going to do the right thing, but then you can use prescience to override it and make your own decisions. Um, yeah. And the fact that you would want to do that kind of says to me that the smart healing or smart targeting of ebon might is not fundamentally oppressive like it's not to the point that the healer can't reasonably do better it's a little bit more of like a uh happens on the kind of planning side of things instead of on the reactive side of things like you're not reacting to people's cooldowns so much with it you're kind of knowing like okay at three minutes they're gonna nether portal and i'm gonna give them prescience so that they guaranteed get the ebon might Um, at this point yeah right versus like part of the issue with smart healing is that you would end up with um, situations where the smart heal, because it's the computer making the the decision um, it can make, it can, you know, deal with all the information being presented just much faster than the person can. And so the player 
kind of had their agency overreacting, eliminated by Smart Heels being too good. Yeah. So it removed the reactive thing where now instead of reacting to the damage and trying to pick the best target and being a good healer because you could quickly process information and make correct decisions about targeting priority and healing priority, mm-hmm. you just kind of like picked somebody that didn't have a full health bar and let the smart heal um, react to the information instead. Or just always heal the tank and then... Or just always heal the tank. on chain hill. <laughs> the initial heal would at least heal something and then the... Um... Yeah. The bounces would, would target the best player. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So I, I doubt, I mean, again, yeah, I think, I think we, we nailed or nailed this one in that. I think it's good from a support spell perspective that the smart targeting is yeah. there. I think it's bad for healing in general. It, it, it doesn't let you, it, it lessens say like skill expression. If that's a yeah, term we can use. I agree use. with that. I agree um, with that. For healers. So, but yeah, that was, whew, I think that's everything. We did cut a couple things. We'll have some stuff to talk about next week. We didn't yeah, even talk like about the new dungeons. Pings. We didn't oh, talk about the yeah. new dungeon um, at all. Yeah. Um, we talked about loot from the dungeon, but we didn't talk about yeah, the dungeon. Exactly. Dun- exactly. Dungeon's good, by the way, except for Morky. Morky's kind of ass, but the rest of the dungeon's good. Um, nice. That's my my like five second summary. <laughs> and hopefully, but, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll get, maybe get into it next week for sure. So yeah, uh, I think that is going to be the end of the episode for today. Thank you all for watching and or listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, and you want to support this podcast and the other work that we do over at the peak of serenity you can do that over at our patreon at patreon.com slash peak of serenity and of course come and join the discord it is the best place to wildly speculate about what the new manatee is going to look like exactly yeah people got some ideas some very bad ones mostly from onion but yeah generally bad ideas Or, or if you want to keep up with the new state of Brewmaster stuff, um, APL is being actively worked on, rotations being refined. We've had gains since even when I killed Sarkarath on Friday um, that have been found for the, the rotation. So a lot of stuff happening there too. Uh, if you want to be involved in that, you want to keep up with that, Discord's a great place to do it. Uh, but yeah, that is going to be it for the show today. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye.